All right. Cool. So, uh, well, we're we're on our second episode, so the project is still ongoing. Uh, we didn't we didn't can it in two weeks. I take that as a good sign. Yeah. Uh, yeah a little bit of a little bit of uh, work. Obviously, got busy, but try to pick it back up. Right. Right. Which is you know with any project, it, it's not a one day effort. So I like that the enthusiasm didn't just disappear, and we're still here. So today we're going to be talking about career, and I'll just kick off this by asking you the question, you know, how did you get started? You're a designer. So to, to me, I'm, I'm a product manager. I have no idea how to get started as a designer, what the typical path would be. How did that go for you? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. I think I usually like to start the story off by going way back um, when I was in elementary school. So I sure. had to, I, I, do occasionally go and speak uh, at the local high school and some of the elementary schools. Um, and I talk to kids about like, what is your career? Like, you know, usually it's for a career day or something. And so I try to tie it back to like, what really kind of directed me as a child? Like what were my strengths as a child? And that kind of made, you know, it's a, it's a crazy winding path. I'm sure yours will be the same way, but um, what strengths did I identify early and what things did people kind of like coach out of me? and like helped me develop when I was younger. And I think that largely it was honestly art. So I was always really strong as like, you know, just drawing things. Um, I always wanted to kind of create my own fantasy worlds when I was a young boy. So whenever I got into an art class and there was an art project, like I kind of went full bore on that. And um, I especially credit like my elementary school teachers for like, hey, you're you're good at like, you know, color and like shading and, and drawing shapes and line. Um, and so that kind of put me on this, this path of like exploring what my art sensibility was. And I always put a, a great emphasis on that. And my classmates kind of knew me for that. And wow, then, that, that goes way back. If you're talking about elementary school teachers, honestly, I, I don't remember many of them to, to a fault. I, I know that's like shame on me for that, but wow, elementary. Yeah, there was a there was one particular teacher. Her name was Mrs. Edwards, um, and she always really like I would get caught during class drawing, um, like basically side scrolling uh, maps. So like imagine you know Mario maps, but I would do my own custom ones on the insides of like my books and stuff, or like on the bottom edge of the pages. So obviously that is not very uh, kosher. <laughs> they don't want you drawing school <laughs> materials, um, but I would do it. And uh, she, you know, obviously I would get in trouble, uh, but she would say, hey, you know, like maybe you should consider doing like focusing more of your efforts on art. I, I, I really appreciate that looking back that she didn't completely like kind of squash that enthusiasm and like kind of encourage me in other ways, right, that are appropriate to explore that. Right. Um, yeah, I was always, always kind of curious as a kid, um, always like interested in the world of art. Uh, when I got into middle school, it, this is kind of funny because I grew up in a you know small town in Indiana, um, a farm town, but we were actually chosen uh, my middle school, uh, probably about I can't probably 300 kids um, in the whole school, but we were chosen as like a pilot program for a uh, laptop. Basically, the students would get issued laptops, and this was my seventh grade uh, year in school, so I may have been I don't know what 11, 12 years old or something. 
so we got these laptops, right? And they are like really good laptops at the time. They're Dells and they didn't have any sort of restrictions on them. I mean, we didn't even have an IT team. Oh, that is, I, I love that. I, we had the opposite. Man, did we have so many restrictions on our computers. Install <laughs> anything. Finding a game to play, like, you know, going to Miniclip or something was a blessing. So that, and that, so that was like, this was a great opportunity for me to kind of continuing that like kind of art thread. Um, at the time I was really in, interested in like StarCraft. Um, that kind of was taking off and there was Winamp. So Winamp as like oh, a- Oh, the llama, the, the, the llama, right? Didn't it have like a, a catchy yeah. jingle, like yeah. whipping llama's ass or something like that? Yeah, whip, okay. yeah. <laughs> I forget what it is exactly. Yes. But, uh, like always whipping the llama's ass or something like that. And uh, so I was actually making skins for Winamp. Um, we, I was redistributing it probably illegally uh, with a floppy disk. Um, and basically all of my friends, you know, they wanted Winamp, they wanted star a copy of StarCraft. Um, this was like a time of like great tech exploration for me, basically. It was just, hey, the locks are off the building. Like you can go on the internet and look up whatever you want. Obviously there was probably not things I wasn't supposed to look at, but that's where we are. And somehow um, I got into doing uh, those Winamp skins. So I was doing basically like creating custom skins for Winamp. And I was like 11, 12 years old and doing artwork. So I was doing pixel art again, kind of on that thread of like building side scrolling levels and stuff. Um, and I was obviously playing a lot of Starcraft. So there was pixel art in that too. And the, the great part about Starcraft was there was like a map builder. So there was this, this GUI for like taking and creating your own maps in Starcraft. And so I got really hooked on that and kind of modding um, Starcraft with the, the GUI like map editor, Starcraft map editor. Um, and that led me down the path of like, Hey, I want to kind of distribute some of this stuff. Like, how do I get it? How do I make a website? Like, how do I even put this on the web? Um, I looked into like GeoCities. There was MySpace at the time, right? Uh, you can make your own MySpace page and like custom. Oh yeah. App. The gifts and all the glittery pages. Oh, you know what? Music For me, files, that was... right? You could go to yes. some page and they're playing music automatically. Now we're trying to find, you know, how to ban that behavior in browsers, like stop autoplay video, stop autoplay audio. Nobody complained about that when we were in the age of MySpace. You had like, you just come in and there's like, oh, Jason Derulo is playing on somebody's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was fantastic. I, I, really, I, I, I greatly miss that time of like, very like creative expression on the web. Um, I think that it's it, we're having like a renaissance of that now. I think tools like Glitch um, are making right. it more accessible to people who maybe aren't super techie. But I feel like there was like this, you know, things like GeoCities and MySpace um, right. gave people a lot of access to customizing their experience on the web and like putting a portrayal of who they were out there. And then you had tools like Facebook and Twitter that have kind of homogenized your like just the experience, right? Yeah, yeah like. You don't, I don't have any control. Oh, now I do. I have a little bit of control over like my Twitter theme. Right. But, um, yeah, like that was a really exciting time to be like young. Like I said, like an 11, 12 year old playing around on the web. I didn't have any sort of like locks on what we could do, which like I said, now is just crazy. Uh, we were a pilot program. Nobody really knew what was going on. Uh, I would actually help, you know, with tech assistance on a lot of the stuff for the teachers, but uh, that led me down like that path of like, I got a really strong computer background through that, that exposure early on, I think was critical to me being interested in like building web pages. 
Um, and then that led me to kind of high school where I continued that focus and passion. And I uh, was building the website for a local newspaper. So they, they needed, they wanted to get into publishing their newspaper on the web. Uh, this was, you know, 2004 or five, six. Um, there weren't a lot of websites, especially small websites doing that at the time. So this was literally like a, a um, you know, basic HTML website where I had to go every day, change out the pages. You have a marquee running and you're like, I'm a hacker. This is great. Yeah. yeah I like there was literally ad units like that we sold on the website that would have marquee things. And, you know, we change out maybe the cursor of certain things and uh, stuff that you would not do as a, a proper web designer or developer right. today. Right. But at the time uh, there were no rules. So <laughs> you just kind of did whatever got the job done. Um, yeah. And then I uh, went to college to be a, uh, at college, there wasn't really a focus on um, what I call consider at the time web design. So there weren't a lot of schools doing web design. It was more traditional graphic design, te teaching you like the concepts of typography, color balance, like logo design, um, really kind of locked in that old school world of like print design, which is great. There's a lot you can learn from type design and color theory and art history. So I would not, you know, say that was not um, worthwhile because it certainly was. I think it made me a stronger designer, and I, I'm um, kind of more, I can do a lot more things, uh, knowing but that it, information. It wasn't a kind of like a UX focused degree, right? Like a primarily, no. yeah. No, not at all. Um, and I didn't even start to be focusing in that until like my senior year, when I, when you kind of get your choice to kind of pick your own journey. So yeah, it was very much like I said. Uh, very traditional curriculum. Uh, by the time I was a sophomore in college, I kind of realized, hey, I'm interested in computers and I want to keep that thread going. So I took a minor in uh, what they call it. There was a computer science program there and I took a minor in what they call human computer interaction, which was like, oh yeah, that's the buzzword right now. Yeah. Not even, it wasn't even though like, it wasn't really true HCI. I mean, it was like, you're learning Python. We were learning like Python scripts and like how um, GUIs uh, kind of work on the front end and like how you could code them. To some extent, it is human computer interaction, right? Just in code. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's like, it, I don't think it would be like the core curriculum that most schools today though. Oh, teach, right, right, for sure. There's so much like knowledge around user experience and psychology. There was no psychology to it. <laughs> it was a guy that was teaching basically like Python programming and, and scripting and it had a little bit of like the GUI side of it, so. Psychology, ethics, like all these considerations that I think right now are very important. Yep. So that, I mean, and now looking back, I think that they did a good job, like at the University of Indianapolis, that's where I got my degree. Um, they did a good job of kind of going back and enhancing that obviously now for students of today. But um, yeah, I kind of had to create my own degree in college to kind of get into the world of tech. Um, and then I, during college, interned at a software shop and the rest is history. I kind of got my wings, cut my teeth, yeah, on a lot of big, heavy um, software uh, products at that company. That's awesome. That, that's a very non-traditional journey. I think, well, to the extent where there's a lot of assumptions nowadays that, oh, you can just have a degree, right? I need to look for my field, get the degree, and that's it. I'm, I'm good to go. But in reality, it always goes beyond your college degree. Yeah, you have to have a genuine, I feel like you have to have a genuine interest. I feel like those those foundational like experiences for me in like uh, elementary school, middle school, they all started building on top of each other and kind of made 
my vision of who I wanted to be clearer and crisper as I went along, right? Um, do, do you feel like that shaped kind of your intent from the very early ages, not just through school, but also what your parents or family supported in terms of, you know, what you wanted to do? You probably had the same experience, but when you are young and like in that time frame when computers were new, a lot of your family members maybe weren't the ones that were the pros at it. You were, you're the, you're the expert. You're the one that's spending the most time on it, right? I'm not oh, yeah. playing games or messing around with config files or like uh, tweaking some scripting files. Like my mom thought I was a computer hacker, right? And so you get all <laughs> those questions from your family and then it makes you feel really confident. Um, like you feel like you're the go-to person at a young age. That's like really powerful. It's empowering to have that confidence. I'm still getting people asking me to fix their printer. So if it tells you anything. Yeah. Like somebody texted me the other day. He's like, Hey, I think you should build an app that, uh, sets off a buzzer every time somebody gets within six feet of you. <laughs> Bluetooth, like make, make the sense like, have you, have you taken the test yet? Um, yeah, no, this is, I, I, I definitely feel like that is the path for a lot of folks in, um, you know, design and just, you know, doing anything with software engineering where it's something that you start yourself. It's something that you develop a passion for. It's not something that you necessarily, you know, picking a degree and then saying, oh, interesting coding. That sounds fun. Everybody well, I talked to, they I was going to gonna flip the question around on you, you know, kind of tell us your background because I have oh, guys, young, yeah. young men that I'm coaching now that are like, I tell them about the possibilities, right? You could be a designer, you could design software, or you could code and program and build it, or you could actually, you know, direct the product, like directly right. affect the, the, the things that are being built. They're like, well, what's that called? You know, that, that's a program manager, you know, that's a PM. Right, right. Yeah, no, so my, where did, my, where did yeah. that come from you? How did you get here? It's, it's very non-traditional as well, because I uh, grew up in a very poor country in Eastern Europe. And my parents, I mean, we never had that much money, but I distinctly remember the fact that early on in my life, I had access to a computer at all times. Like I had a, I think it was a bootleg, it's a Soviet machine that was a copy of an IBM computer that I remember <laughs> having to use these giant floppy disks. I don't know if you remember the, the five inch ones. Yep. Uh, with random like DOS games for, I think it was Tapper, where it's like you have to like serve beer and like this cowboy just moves around the screen. And it was so exciting. I remember at the time just like running those commands in DOS, like a tapper.bat. Like, they have, there was a game that I remember from elementary school that was like building a rocket. Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but where I, you had to adjust your payload and stuff to like, yeah, it would like blow up or it wouldn't launch. And you had yes, to yes, yes, yes. The, oh gosh, it, the name eludes me, but I do remember playing it. Um, there's also some games around. Uh, so again, because this, I'm talking about the post-Soviet era, we, you have, you know, games that are bootleg of Mario. I played Mario on MS-DOS. I don't think there is an official copy of Mario for MS-DOS. Like, I don't think Nintendo ever put something that's not on a Nintendo device. But uh, so it was it was very kind of fueled by the fact that like, oh, I can type these commands and it just runs and it's exciting. And since then I was like, hey, what's the field that I can do this professionally? And that was software engineering. So actually I always wanted to be a software engineer. Um, ever since I started Visual Basic 6, I think it was 1998, 
I think it was around first or second grade for me. And I started writing these like notepad clones where like, hey, this is a giant text box and I can save up, I can open a file, what? Uh, that was very <laughs> exciting. It, it, it doesn't take much to excite a kid for like when it comes to programming or coding. It's like, I pressed the button and it did something and it read a file from disk and now it's, now, it's there. I'm really was, curious, like, you, it, you know, it's a former Soviet bloc country. Yeah. Like, how prevalent was it for children at that time to have access to computers? Like, I imagine that in Soviet area, like, they were really maybe pushing that. I, I'm not sure. Like, to me, I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. I, yeah, what was no, the like there? I, I think access generally wasn't super restricted. Uh, it, it, it's an expensive investment. Don't get me wrong. For a post-Soviet country, it was still a lot of money to buy a computer. Not every family could afford it. But... We did have internet cafes where I can come in, I can pay like, I don't know, 10 cents an hour, essentially, which is still a lot of money for, for the country that I'm coming from, but it 10 cents an hour and you can just do whatever you want on the computer. You want to code, you can code, you want to play Grand Theft Auto, you can play Grand Theft Auto, it doesn't matter. And most people will play games. Uh, and I actually, like I said, I, I, I got lucky that my parents actually had a computer at home. So uh, it kind of started from there. And since then, let's see, in 2008, I moved to the United States for high school. So I actually took a lot of classes. So I didn't have a lot of classes that deal with computers at my school uh, back mm -hmm. in Eastern Europe. But when I moved to the States, they the shocking part to me was you can pick your classes, right? Like, hey, welcome to your junior year of high school. What classes do you want to take? I'm like, wait, I can pick them? It's like, yeah, like, here's like, a, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I have options. Like, they've always told me what to study. So I picked a bunch of classes that deal with uh, design. There was, I think it was an intro to programming and there was entrepreneurship. And I distinctly remember I had a teacher, Miss McClure, who was super kind of passionate about anything that has to do with like programming and coding. And she would pull the classes that I'm in into all sorts of programs, like competitions for web design, competitions for just logo design. And I remember through that, I got a lot of exposure to like coding tools and talking to people at other universities that like, hey, I do this for a living and this sounds yeah. exciting. And uh, the funny story is after, after that, I went back to Eastern Europe and then I came back for college. I went to a community college in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. And I took again, computer classes because I was like, I, this feels like the right career path for me. I actually like coding. Um, and I did a lot of that in my free time. And what got me my job, it's a funny story, is, do you remember the Zune? Microsoft yeah, Zune, yeah. Of course. Yeah, so, actually, the design of that, the interface design of that is still one of, I think, like the pinnacles of the Metro UI style. Right, like, right. I, I love the player. Like, the, just the device is so solid. I love it. I wish I could still buy it and not pay, like, $700 for price gougers on Amazon. <laughs> but... Um, but anyway, so that, that, that player had a piece of software called the Zune player that you install on your Windows machine to sync the player, to get the music, to play the music. And mm -hmm. I found a way to hook into the API and download movies from that store directly without me going through any like the payment categories, like processing, whatever. <laughs> so, um, I, I think it was not anything like I wasn't stealing movies or any of that nature. But I was just like, oh my gosh, I can do this through my API. 
And uh, so what ended up, I wrote a blog post about it. And I was like, hey, like, here's how to use the Zune API. So I don't think here's anybody- a, uh, Potential vulnerability. Yeah, I, I didn't know, right? I, I Again, I was young. This is what, like first year in college? And so then somebody reached out to me uh, and they they essentially asked me, like, hey, do you want to work at, uh, you know, let's talk about writing for our little blog, which at the time was coding for fun. It was part of the Microsoft Channel 9, which is part of our org. Yep. And it was, I was <laughs> involved with those folks way before uh, the current day. But essentially, that kind of bootstrapped my career because since then, uh, I got invited to uh, intern with that team for a short time, and that opened the door for my internship at Microsoft. And I, when I interned with them, I actually, again, I interned as a software engineer, and I wrote a video game in collaboration with a designer. I had an audio engineer that was called Full Fury, and it was about a bear that falls from the sky and collects these like little bonuses. <laughs> uh, it was super fun. But as I kind of got more exposure to people at Microsoft, I learned about this idea of like, hey, there's a job called program management. And I, I talked to folks that did pro, pro, like program management, essentially, which is, you know, in some companies it's called product management. Uh, it's definitely not project management because you're dealing with product. But yeah. essentially, the more I talked to them, the more I was like, hey, I can do technical stuff and still be involved in the design of the product and still understand the architecture that's kind of what bootstrapped it. Can you can you rewind a little bit there? Because you mentioned yeah. um, this is like a good point. Project management, which happens at many yes. companies, right? And then there's program management, and then there's product management, right? Right. Um, like, give, go ahead and just maybe give us your definition of those, how how you separate those in your mind. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think prog program management and product management, to me, it's in the Venn diagram of things that you do, you know, like the overlapping circles, it's, they're mostly closely aligned, because especially at a company like Microsoft, I see that kind of used almost interchangeably, where program management, product management, you're driving a feature of the product, or you're driving a segment of the product, or an entire product, if your team is small yeah. enough. On the other hand, project management, it's more about you driving the logistics of a specific project like uh, work items and making sure that you know the status reports are out and making sure that everybody's aware of the status of certain projects make sure you're aligned on the time frame and you're shipping within deadlines it's kind of you're a little bit abstracted out from i'm project decisions on kind of the, the product itself if you will and, and I'm, i know i'm using very confusing terminology because project product but essentially project is you're managing the process product or program, you're managing the actual shippable unit that you're delivering to your customers, at least in my experience. I'm sure different the overall, companies- like The overall business objective, you're supporting that with the, with the product management. Right, so different companies might have different definitions. I cannot speak for anybody else other than, you know, I worked at Microsoft, so I can speak for Microsoft uh, based on my experience with Microsoft, uh, you know, career or job definitions, but they can vary. Okay. So but, if we had, um, you know, I, I'm assuming we'll have listeners that are maybe curious and either like switching it up, like going into yeah. product management or potentially they want to get there, right? They may be a younger um, mm -hmm. student right now, like thinking about going that direction. Like, how do you get your, like you're, you got your foot in the door through like obviously engineering. Um, mm -hmm. I know we know several, um, you know, colleagues that have not came that route. Right. Uh, can you share with us like maybe your two cents on that. Like, if you want to get into a company doing this, how do you do it? 
Sure. What I, I, skills should you prioritize? Right. I think just kind of in your experience, you know, there, there is no degree for product management, unfortunately. There's nobody that can just say, here, you know, read this three books and you're going to be a product manager. That just doesn't happen. So I think it's a, it's almost kind of a combination of skills that you need to have. Uh, try to be a good communicator. Try to lead some product launches or maybe, you know, start a podcast or maybe a blog or you're running some website for your school, something that you are deeply involved in making the decisions around the design, the customer experience, uh, be customer obsessed, right? How do you solve problems for customers? Understand how do you gauge customer needs and how do you bring that back to your engineers? A lot of these are very hard to acquire just by reading a book. You actually have yeah. to do it, right? Just like with design, I'm sure if I read a book on how to you do, use Adobe Illustrator, I'm not gonna be good at Illustrator. Like I can memorize maybe some commands, but that's it. I need to actually do it. So with product is the same way, like try to develop your communication skills, develop your writing skills, start something. Uh, it doesn't need to be anything big, but just kind of once you go through the process of starting a, a product and then understanding how your customers react to it, how you talk to customers, how do you, you know, from the conversation with customers, how do you get their needs and translate it into product features or product direction? I it's feel like it's interesting because are... a lot of these things you're mentioning are, like I said, the they're very similar to what yeah. you have to know as a designer or even an engineer, right? Exactly. Like as an engineer, you have a lot of the same type of stuff happening. It's a soft skill focus almost. Like, right. Um, are you like very proactive, right? Are you proactive with your time? Are you proactive with communicating to people? Um, can you be succinct? Uh, right. I think that's a really like, from my experience working with PMs, the best PMs are data driven, they're succinct, and they have opinions on the product. Yeah. Yeah, like because I think there's definitely like situations that people can get into where they um, want to maybe please everyone on the team or they're trying to listen to many different stakeholders. And at the end of the day, uh, you have to kind of stand strong on certain issues. Right. 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 For sure. And it's a, an area where, again, a lot of it is trial by fire. A lot of it is actually learning by doing. It's you have to be part of the process and start it as early as possible. I know that a lot of colleges, schools have the opportunity to be part of clubs, you know, initiatives. Do that. I would, mm -hmm. I would say start there, and that that, that should be kind of a, a foot in the door, if you will. I think my advice would be, you know, from a design perspective, if there is a problem, if you're like a person who thinks in visuals, right? If there's a problem that you can think through visually. Um, it doesn't really matter. Like it can be agnostic of tool. Like you can right. use something like Adobe Illustrator. You can use pen and paper. You know, all yes. of the stuff that we work on usually that you see starts as like a small sketch. It's a couple boxes. It's a couple of boxes with like a few notes, right? Yes. It's very, very rarely does it start as like some beautiful, you know, a picture. Um, I love that. And I love that. It's kind of like, you know, people to learn photography and they buy like the most expensive camera gear right off the bat. Like, the, the gear doesn't matter. It's yeah. you actually practicing and doing things. And then as you get that, you build that level of skill, right? The skilling, you can start to look at, okay, how can I improve this with the tools that I'm choosing, right? Or my, right. my efficiencies. It's like, I guess my advice there is don't get too lost in the tooling and like the, yeah. the, learning the hard skills, like the technical skills, just focus more on how can I effectively solve this problem and stay once again, you mentioned like customer focus, but I think, I think in terms of just human focus, right? Like there is a, at the end of the day, you and I are designing something that a piece of software, a point and click thing that somebody's going to be using. Right. Right. 
that's linked together by web pages. How do we make that just like understandable yeah. um, and approachable? Uh, and then it's nice if it's obviously like elegant and beautiful. Yeah, right? as with everything else, we all yep. like nice products. Like so. the Zoom, right? Uh, like as I mentioned, like that UI yes. uh, is very was very elegant and like beautiful, but the hardware has to support it too. And um, it's all just kind of like a combination. It's a team effort there. So maybe it'll come back eventually. I don't know. <laughs> new market. There's new, market, new market, yeah. <laughs> it's like a new new generation of people maybe buying them. So right. Well, this is a good chat. Thanks, thanks so much for your time, Courtney. Like, yeah, we'll, we should do it again next time. time. It'd be really interesting to get some people in here that have come. Maybe they're in the same role as us, right? But in different organizations, right? I think we talked about this, like bringing some people on that maybe uh, maybe designers in other areas of Microsoft or other yeah. product companies, and see what their background is. I think it'd be really cool from a product management perspective to do that as well. Because everybody has such unique backgrounds, it's really cool to hear some of the history on that. So talk to more designers, more product managers, more engineers. Yeah, engineers. Um, I love to hear engineer stories because sometimes people come from the wildest backgrounds. You're like, how are you an engineer? Right. But that's for the next episodes. So we'll find yeah. out. Cool. Well, this is great. See y'all later. Yeah. Thanks for listening, all. <laughs>